As you know, we've been covering different points on getting to know God. We've covered repentance, a change of mind, regeneration, a change of nature, redemption, a change of position, reconciliation, a change of relationship, conversion, a change of life, adoption, a change of status or family, and justification, a change of state. And we're looking at sanctification. We've, we've been there twice and we're there again this morning. And we'll see, Lord willing, maybe next week. This is, this is the one that salvation should affect. This is how we live a godly life. If we want to know God, we need to walk sanctified lives. Because he reveals and lets his secrets be known to those that are walking closest to him. As Enoch walked. And so... <clears throat> We're looking at sanctification. Last week, as we had the Lord's table, we, we got through the first four points in some detail. Then we and just mentioned or gave some words to fill in the blanks. But we'll go back. I was encouraged to do that this week and fill in the blanks of the second part of the sermon on sanctification. Um, <clears throat> practical pointers we mentioned last week to sanctification. We looked last week at the agents for, of sanctification, the Trinity, the truth, Christ's death, and the Holy Spirit. We looked at areas of sanctification, and this is where we stopped in the middle. We looked at appetite. We looked at adornment. We looked at amusements, entertainment, and we also looked at attitudes. And then we mentioned attachments and the remaining ones, which we'll look at some detail in some detail today. Now, <clears throat> the reading, we'll go over that and pick some pointers from there. I think in as far as sanctification is concerned, we've mentioned Romans 6 is very important. Romans 7 and 8, 6, 7 and 8. John chapter 17 is very important. The high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus for those that would follow him and believe on him. And uh, we're... In the world and not of the world is really one small phrase that can be taken from that. We're in it, but we're not of it. <laughs> the trouble is, many of us become of it and in it. <laughs> and we have to be careful not to. All the songs, if you notice the songs we sung this morning, were about that separation. Um, once we become his children, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in our bodies is the instruction. Let's pray as we look at these remaining thoughts and the conclusion today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Thank you that it clearly outlines the life of a Christian, set apart, sanctified, positionally in salvation, progressively as we are obedient and permanently when you take us to heaven. What a privileged people we are to know these wonderful truths. Heavenly Father, as we look at the world and the downward spiral morally, ethically, internationally, our hearts are at peace because we know the God of peace. We are not in turmoil because we hear bad news 
from the world because we have the good news of the gospel in our hearts. And I pray that you'd bless each one today and give us each an understanding of how you would have us then live in this world that seems to be out of control, but we know you are in control. You are still on the throne. And bless the word for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Let's turn to 2 Corinthians and we'll turn to the scriptures this morning and not just quote them all, some we may. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And as we mentioned last week, we can get a lot of teaching on separation from books of First and Second Corinthians because they weren't separated. So Paul wrote letters to them and said, now this is what you need to do here at that church. Uh, this is written to a local church and encouraging them to walk right with, with the Lord. And verse 14, we read, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. As I read a little earlier, these verses are very important concerning separation. <clears throat> be not yoked together. We talked of that last week, took some of the points from these, this, uh, these verses here. Yoked together. Have you considered somebody or something that you are yoked with that you shouldn't be in business in family matters that you need to take a stand uh, at spiritual matters you see if you're yoking up with those that are not walking right as we'll see in a minute you're tarred with that brush that's it guilt by association whether you like it or not and so you have to be careful whom you yoke up with, particularly in spiritual matters. Um, <clears throat> go to 1 Corinthians and chapter 6 and verse 16. And Paul was very plain to the Corinthians here in telling them that they were joined together, like yoked together with people they shouldn't have been. And we read chapter 6, verse 16. What? Know ye not that he that is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to a, the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And remember that back in chapter 5, how he had talked about the fornication that was happening in the church and it was not even so named amongst the unbelieving people. And what a rebuke it was that that church was doing those sort of things. You'd, you'd, <laughs> we would say, is it a church? <laughs> well, it's in the New Testament and it was a church. But they were not unhitching themselves from those that they'd joined together with that wasn't a scriptural yoke 
They were joined together, as it says. With, and spiritual harlotry is something that brought Israel to its knees and dispersed it from the country and spread it and scattered it for now 2,000 years because they did not adhere to their God solely, specifically, and scripturally. They should have and they didn't. Joined together. Um, we mentioned last week about business, marriage, associations. Be careful because people will join you with them. If you're seen with that person, then you're joined. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice are sacrificed to devils, not to God. I would not that ye should be ha have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devil, devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the, of the devils. Well, that's pretty plain, isn't it? <laughs> Who do we fellowship with? And as I said, guilt by association. Uh, those that practice the unfruitful works of darkness, according to Ephesians 5.11. Those that are covetous, idolatrous, drunkard, extortioners, 1 Corinthians 5.9-13. Paul is listing these things to the Corinthians because that's what they were doing and they were forbidden to do that. As Christians, these attachments should not be so. Disorderly brothers, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6, it plainly states there. Don't be associated or have an attachment with a disorderly brother. And then it goes on to chapter 3 of Second Thessalonians, verse 8 to 12, and it's in the context of the disorderly brother, bludgers. That, that's a term for today, okay? It doesn't say bludgers in the New Testament, but that's what it means. Uh, put your hand to the plough and work. If you've got the ability, the strength, work. You know. <laughs> and we can easily get away with it these days in our society and the way it is. When the iron ore runs out and the... Uh, the bauxite runs out and the, uh, and the gas runs out. Now, it won't run out in our lifetime, of course. Uh, China, might, China might say, no, you're going to be friends with America. We're not going to buy your stuff anymore. You wait and see what happens to the social security system. People will expect a... What's the country? Venezuela? Brazil. Which one is it? Venezuela. Have a look at Venezuela now. And what's happening in that country? The whole thing's fallen apart. One of the richest countries with oil and that, but the whole thing's fallen apart and they haven't got food to eat. They're eaten off the dump that used to eat sumptuously. It can happen in our generation. And as Christians, we need to live a godly, exemplary life to unsaved people. And not, not to... Be those that are disorderly brothers <laughs> and name the name of Christ. And then in Second Timothy chapter 3, it talks about reprobates having a form of godliness but denying the power of it, attaching to those. Those that have departed from the faith, First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29 to 31, it talks about grievous wolves that have entered in among them or that will enter in and have 
have entered in since then, many among them. If you were in adult class this morning, we went through all the isms. I'm going to call them isms, Troy, because all the fronts of those words are so hard to pronounce. <laughs> Gnosticism and all the other things. Gnosticism. He went through the verses and I thought, oh, they're all the verses I've got for the later part of the sermon, but we'll leave that for next week or another week. But Gnosticisms, Colossians chapter 2, and all the other isms that Paul's dealing with in chapter 2 of Colossians. We just read it and you don't, and unless something's pointed out to us, look, look what's there. Look what Paul is dealing with. All these things in the early church, they were there in seed form and now they've taken full bloom and we're at the other end of church history, as it were, <clears throat> and see the fruits of these things. But also praise God for the people in times past who stood their ground on the truth of the word of God and said no. <laughs> you know, the creeds and the, the things that were formed to... Uh, strengthen the church against these terrible errors that were sneaking in and as Troy concluded there in the class the main error is seems to be always directed at the Lord Jesus Christ and his deity and the the the, the, the Godhead the Father Son and Holy Spirit um, in Titus 310 it talks about heretics you see if we attach ourselves these grievous wolves um, Demons, demons as angels of light. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse thirteen to fifteen. Yes, who are your attachments with? Who are your friends? James four four reads: Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world? Finish it for me. Is enmity with God? We become his friend, friends through faith in Jesus Christ. We should not be become his enemies by going off with the wrong attachments. So attitudes, attachments, and now attainments is the next one there. And we mentioned these last week, but <clears throat> attainments. And as we said in Revelation chapter 3, that Laodicean church is a picture of and a church that thought they had arrived. <laughs> we are rich and increase with goods and have need of how much? Nothing. What about God? No, not even him. And God said you are blind and wretched and miserable and poor. It might be not in that order, but and blind and naked. Buy of me eye slave and anoint thine eyes that you can see what you really are like. Be careful when we think we've arrived. And uh, knowing some rich people like millionaires and that they think oft they are cut above everybody else. And uh, <clears throat> reading an article by an unsaved person yesterday how that even they are becoming shake, shaky on their trust in their riches. They're building themselves million-dollar bunkers, hideaways for the future catastrophe and the Armageddon that's coming. No bunkers will do. Faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, why waste your money on doing these bunkers and things when the Lord... He's going to take care of us, is he not? He's taking care of us in salvation. and yeah. He has warned and they're rightly 
um, afraid of what's going to happen in the future if they're unsaved. But he's warned there should no flesh be left on earth. It's going to get bad with all the attainments, with all the things that we've got in this world. You say you're looking at it very negatively. No, we as Christians are looking at it positively because of how we will be delivered. He hath delivered, he will deliver in the future from this world. And, and there's no way off here, this planet, other than through the Lord. Uh, you got a better plan? Hey, you go up in a spacecraft? <laughs> if you want to come back, you've got to <laughs> fuel it and, and everything else. They're all planning to, you know, even, even the rich people are planning to escape the, the Armageddon by going to Mars. <laughs> Why would you want to go there? It's, it, well, just go out and live in the middle of Australia as good as Mars in some places. Ah, the attainments of people financially. Turn to the book of James and see what the Lord says. And he, he, he specifically puts it for rich people. So I, I, I'm not preaching to, I don't think so, overly rich people here today. Any? Should we ask Brother Glenn if there's any millionaires here? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Did I say here I wish I was? <laughs> You just read the testimony of people that have gone from rags to riches with lottery and things, and they wish they'd never had never happened to them. Unsaved people, and because of the disasters that it brings into their life, because they don't know how to use it wisely. Book of James, <coughs> yes, chapter five, verse verse one. Go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for the misery that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. <clears throat> I don't know if there's a plan behind it all. There could be, but interest rates go right down. And the elderly people, that's what they're living on. So what should we do? Oh, well, let's take it out of the bank and put it in the share market about two weeks ago. And then what do they do? What happens to the share market? Mr. Trump opened his mouth, said a few words, and it went down 6%. Oh, I've just lost three, three years of interest <laughs> in one week. You know, and anything could happen with all, the, all of that today. Anything. The way the world's teetering. Your riches are corrupt, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are, are cankered. And the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasures together for when? The last day. Last days. You used to hear a million years. Well, they're dime a dozen now. It's billionaires they're talking about. And the day of trillionaires will probably come. But <clears throat> they have heaped treasures. Behold, the high of the laborers. Those who have worked for you, you have not paid properly. Kept back by fraud, crieth, and the Lord... It's entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Be careful about the attainments. The rich young ruler is a story. The rich fool is another story that the Lord dealt with. Dealt with. Read the book of Proverbs and take the word riches out and just look through the concordance and find all of the mentions there. Attainments. What about knowledge? What about knowledge today? How much do you know that could be known? Even Einstein said only one little bit of 1% did he know. So how much do you think you know and I know? Very little. 
but people boast themselves in what they know. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, knowledge puffeth up. You say, don't study? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> learn the works of God after him. Learn how he's done it, how he made it, and we'll learn for eternity. What about social status? In the book of James again, in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. They come into your assembly, a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and they come also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye, <clears throat> ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to him, Sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, may I stand there here or sit there under my footstool? Are ye not then partial in yourselves? Social status, attainments, we tend to go toward those that seem to be successful. But the man in the vile raiment, the, the Lazarus under the rich man's table, eating the crumbs and having his sores licked by the dogs. You'd say, I don't think I'll sit under the table with him. Wouldn't we? Come on, be honest. <laughs> I had a poor young person. I don't, I don't, might not have been poor, I don't know, ring, and they talked for half an hour and I, yesterday on the phone. And I said, is that father, father of the church? I said, no, I'm not a father. I've, I've got children, but that, I'm a pastor. Uh, can you take confession of sins? No, don't, don't take confessions of sin. You need to go straight to God and confess your sin. And he was asking all these questions. I said, he's got a mate, he's on ice and he's off the, off the beam and he's barking like a dog. I could hear him. And, and I think the fellow was on the phone as well. And it went on for half an hour. And he, 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 he was trying to justify the devil. I thought, what confusion. You just wanted to help, but you couldn't help. You, every second word later become a swear word. He just had to hang up. He just was off his beam. And you, <clears throat> but if you can meet the need of a poor person like that, you, they might not have been poor financially, but poor spiritually, had no light, no understanding of God. He said, I, I, I can't read. I said, read this, this. No, I can't read. I said, get a friend to read. I haven't got a friend who would read that to me. And, and just encourage him, try it. And it, it couldn't be done. But... We tend to, as people, look at people that seem to be successful. You know, the Bible plainly states, he that is forgiven much, loveth much. When these people get saved and their life get lives get turned around, they're the ones that have a great love for the Lord Jesus because they know the sin and the depths of sin that they've been in. And we in Christian families do not appreciate often what the Lord has done for us. We are as guilty too in God's sight because we have sinned. Let's not say, well, they're in a social status. I remember one pastor, one of the missionary pastors saying to the pastor's fellowship, remember he said you need to start a church in a more affluent area. Yeah, alarm bells need to start ringing <laughs> because affluent people don't need God <laughs> or they think they don't need God. The people that know they need God are the people who aren't in affluent society or area of the community. 
let's let's be thinking of them you think of the lord jesus christ when he walked the earth where did he go and who listened to him most the poor people and he said that these are the ones that can inhabit heaven because they hear and receive the message they have little hope but when the lord comes with his message of salvation there is great hope is there not <clears throat> galatians 6 3 uh, position we can speak of there it says for a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing as you get older than that you you know when you're younger you might have ambition to be you know the prime minister <laughs> who would want his job when you get older <laughs> He gets stabbed from every side. I never pray for our politicians. But um, <clears throat> position, is that what we're seeking in life? First Corinthians talks about our abilities and at through attaining things through our abilities that God gave us anyway. The abilities to get where we're going and the opportunity and the open doors. Let's turn to Matthew 23. And this is one that we may consider at another time. To know God, we need to separate from these things that we've got locked in our head that we think are the way of God, and they're not. And this is attaining things. Matthew chapter 23, do you know what it's talking about? Chapter 24, we know what that's talking about in 25. But 23... It's a build-up to the point where the Lord is confronting the religious leaders and coming down very heavy and pronouncing the woes upon them for what they practice and what they believe. And what they believe and why they, then they practice, practice their belief. In chapter 23, verse 5, <clears throat> we have down to verse 8. But they made light of it, I'm in chapter 22, there we go, 23. Of, Woe unto the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint and anise and common and omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. They were focusing on externals. They were focusing on what they looked like. <laughs> Ye blind guides who strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. The gnat is like a mosquito, size of. You swallow a camel and you choke on a mosquito. <laughs> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. The attainments they were interested in, the outward look. And isn't the church often, in our day, more concerned with the outward looks of its facilities than the inward look that God sees in the hearts of the people and individuals that make up the church because the church isn't the building anyway, and it's you. It's the believers, the Christians. <clears throat> yes. Well, let's go to the next one, number seven. I think it's seven on your outline there. Yes, attributes, attributes. <clears throat> what have we? We have hands, we have a mouth, we have ears, we have eyes, and we have feet to walk with. 
the members of our body. How can we make the members we've already read of our body members of an harlot, members of fornication? We are not to do that because we're Christians. We're sanctified. We're set apart for God. So let's hear what the Bible says about the different attributes we have. First of all, of the ability to speak. Um, you might have a cockatoo. Any, I, no, I don't know anyone here with a cockatoo that talks to you. Had one, had one died. <laughs> but we, we had a crow. We had a crow and a magpie. Um, they were free to fly, but they come, they come in and train them to stay home for a while and then they, they stayed there. But you can train these animals, but they just say what you've taught them to say. Um, <clears throat> but with a human being, we've got the ability to reason, to think. We're made in the image of God. Special privilege. <laughs> Ephesians 5.4 says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not meat but rather giving of thanks that sounds pretty serious doesn't it with what we say no filthiness no foolish talking jesting is joking around all the time which are not meat but giving of thanks Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 the Bible tells us there Ephesians speaking the truth in love would I like it to be said like I am saying it to someone else? Would I like to be put down as I might put down somebody else? And we say, no, speak the truth in love. This is a sanctified Christian. This is what should be happening in our lives. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be as children as far as malice is concerned. In the Gospels it tells us. <clears throat> Speech. Ephesians 5.19. Of, five of these are in Ephesians. And it says in Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, songs. Making a joyful noise in your hearts to the Lord so if you can't sing make a joyful noise to the Lord speaking and, and that comes from your thinking and what you're thinking Ephesians 4.25 speak every man truth with his neighbour oh there's a lot about speaking Colossians 4.6 let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt that you might know how to answer every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you says Peter when he almost repeats that verse in his epistle 1st Timothy 2 verse 8 sound speech that cannot be condemned sound speech that cannot be condemned it doesn't it it won't need correcting it cannot be condemned sound speech Titus 3 verse 2 another reference there to speak evil of no man wow <laughs> James let's turn to the book of James because 
he's dealing with the tongue and what it says and how our tongue can get us into trouble. We should ask the question, has anyone here never got into trouble because of their tongue? <laughs> oh, yeah, Larry. <laughs> Just as well, Alicia's in the other room. <laughs> Would you say the same? <laughs> if I heard you right. Right, James chapter 3 and verse 2. Many things, in many things we offend all. Hey, we're saved sinners. I'm glad the Bible tells, us as it, tells it as it is for us. If any man offend not in word... The same is a what? Perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we, we put bits in the horses' mouths that we, they may obey us. You might have had a, what do you call a hard-mouthed horse? That you had to soften it up a bit. And we turn about their whole bodies. Uh, behold, also the ships, which though they are so great, are driven by fierce winds yet are turned about with a very small helm, wherever the pilot or the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a metal a, a little fire kindleth. Now just become a pastor for a while, and you know about that. How great a matter a little fire kindleth from the tongue. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. Now, what is the tongue driven by? The brain, what we're thinking. And it comes out. And the heart. So is a tongue among our members. You see, this is practical pointers for sanctification. This is how it changes our life to be a Christian and living a Christian life. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Wow. We need to take control of this thing. <laughs> Every kind of beast and birds and serpent and, and has been tamed in the sea by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men who are made after the similitude of God. We're made in the image of God. And yet we use our tongue to destroy others. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? No. Can a fig tree bear olive berry? No. So can no fountain yield salt water and fresh. Who is controlling their tongue? Through sanctification, we ought to be controlling our tongue. It comes from the heart to the mind to the mouth. And are we watching what we say or are we being offense an offense through what we say offend not in word if we offend not in word we're able to also bridle as it said earlier the whole body bring it under control so what does it say for those that talk a lot careful be careful listen more the next one is the hearing Sanctified hearing. <clears throat> what do we listen to? 
You know, sometimes when something's being said by somebody that you know is wrong um, or about somebody, something else or somebody else, you need to say, well, let's go and talk to them with you and me and them. That would stop a lot of things you wouldn't have to listen to. <clears throat> what we listen to, the world and all its theories, what we listen to. <laughs> in James chapter 1 and verse 19, back there, we're in that book, in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What does it say? Swift to hear. <clears throat> Tell me, do you learn when you're talking or do you learn when you're hearing? You learn when you're hearing. Yes, people have got the gift of the gab, they say, the talking. Well, no, you learn when you're listening. Swift to hear. That's what the Bible says. Have a sanctified hearing. Don't listen to that which is going to corrupt your mind. And you're thinking, Proverbs 18.13 reads, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Someone was sharing with me yesterday, they're listening to an American preacher, must have been on the internet, and he said, Australians, he said, you don't seem to be able to tell them anything. I thought, okay. <laughs> and that's an American saying that. <laughs> but, and we might say the, the other way. <laughs> but... <clears throat> They, he went on to say that when you're talking to them, yep, yeah, mm, yep, yep, mm, mm, yep, yep. That's what the Auss Aussies apparently do. Uh, I'll have to get on to who the preacher was. Maybe give him a phone call. <laughs> but <clears throat> what he's saying, they're not listening. They're just saying, yeah, and, and can't wait to jump in. Like, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it. So if we've got a bad reputation like that, I don't know who, who it was, he's been, what Aussie he's been speaking to. But they were not listening, they were not hearing before the matter was finished. And it's folly to us to do so. It's a shame unto him. In Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing, sanctified hearing. Are you glad when you heard the gospel of truth that brought you to salvation? Let's think of another member of our bodies, attribute of our bodies, and that is the touching. 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 6 in our reading this morning and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17. Wherefore, <clears throat> come out from among them and be ye separate, separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The touching. It's not maybe as prominent as the hearing and the speaking, and the seeing, but the touching. Come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. And just over in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20 and 22, we read about this as well. Chapter 2, Colossians and verse 20 to 22. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject unto ordinances? Touch not taste not handle not which are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctors of men and it is talking about asceticism here withdrawing oneself and thinking one is spiritual by withdrawing oneself and it's not so which things have indeed a show of wisdom a show of it 
in will worship and humility and neglecting the body not in the honour to the satisfying of the flesh. That needs a bit of study to iron, to get the meaning from that. But looking at the touch, not taste not, handle not. <clears throat> what have you touched this week? What have you been tempted to put your hands on that you might look at or read or listen to? Touch not. Leave it. It's going to destroy you. We're sanctified people. Touch not. And then the seeing. The seeing. <laughs> in second, in First John chapter 2, the second chapter, verse 15 and 16, there in the middle of that it says, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Where do you find as a believer that most of the temptations come through? Is it speaking? Is it hearing? Is it tasting? No, it's the eyes. The eyes are the, the, the means by which we often are tempted to live unsanctified lives. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. We say they're green with envy. <laughs> There's a great big a covetousness can come through the lust of the eyes. Sanctified lives. <laughs> the areas of sanctification are practical pointers. Appetite, adornment, amusement, attitudes, attachments, attainments, and these attributes that we have been given as members in our body. Um, <clears throat> The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It goes on there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, it says, I say to, Jesus said, I say to you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her. What is it? The lust of the eyes. Does the world know that this, this is an area that they can work? Yes, they do. It's everywhere. And increasingly so. David himself, the king, through his eyes, got himself into big trouble and his whole family through the lust of the eyes. Job said this about the looking. Job 31 verse 1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? That's what Job said. Proverbs 6.25, lust, lust not after her in thine heart through the eyes. Psalm 101 verse 3 I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's a good one, isn't it? And we mentioned some of those last week. Now, <clears throat> in conclusion, there's five points, and so it's not a quick conclusion. <laughs> the after effects of sanctification. What is the outcome of living a set-apart life for the Lord, a sanctified life? First Peter Chapter 1, if we'd like to turn there, First Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through to 16. Yes, we don't have to write anything down. It's all written there in the, in the outline. First Peter 1, 14. We read, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. That's when you're not a Christian. But as he who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. A result of sanctification is holiness. Holiness. <laughs> because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Who is holy? God, our Saviour, is holy. We are his, we are his children. 
So be ye holy. Secondly, <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians, we should have kept our marker there, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. And the chapter divisions are, are put, in, put in there by man. And that really, chapter 7 and verse 1 of 2 Corinthians ties in with the previous chapter. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us, what's the thing that'll happen if we're sanctified? Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We'll do what I tried to encourage the young man yesterday, what First John tells us to do in chapter 1, confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we're living sanctified life, lives, we'll be living cleansed lives from the filthiness of the flesh. First uh, <clears throat> John, and we've just been there in chapter 2, verses 15 and 17, as well cover that. That will be a after effect. That will be an effect of sanctification. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. We'll have... Our eyes set on something different than this world. <laughs> if then ye be risen with Christ, that's not the resurrection, but it's spiritual, spiritually being lifted from the <clears throat> pit of sin, from the quagmire. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, <clears throat> set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So our affections, a sanctified person will have his affections set on things above. On the Lord Jesus Christ, and not on things of the earth. They won't be enamoured by the things of this world that man can make and build. You're dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So <clears throat> that's what we'll be doing as sanctified saints. So you can put your life against these, these concluding words, holiness, cleansing, heavenly affections. Am I thinking that way? Is that the direction I'm taking? <laughs> Am I sanctified? And the well-known verse, the fourth one there, Romans 12 verse 2, the fourth effect of sanctified living you will not be conformed to the world, but you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what you think. And then you'll behave differently by thinking differently. Christians, are you thinking like you used to think before you become a Christian? Or are you thinking like God wants you to think? And number five is First Peter. Chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers... And pilgrims abstain from what? Appearance of evil. The appearance of evil. Huh. And not the, the evil is there, but the appearance of evil. That's guilt by association and things like that that we talked about earlier. Avoid all appearance of evil, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Second Peter chapter one and verse four. So how are you measuring up to the sanctified life that Christians ought to be living have you the character and nature of a Christian can people tell who are not Christians that you are a Christian 
through these different things that we've looked at. The touching, the attributes, the attainments, the appetite, <laughs> amusements, the adornment, the way you dress, and your attitude toward them. I pray that God can, as it were, proudly say, He is my son. She is my daughter. I own them. Or does he have to say, well, I mean, our sins are forgiven and I know that he declares us righteous. But does he have to blush when someone brings up our name? Yeah, they're my child, but... No, he doesn't do that. But it, from our point of view, would he have to do that? Because we name his name and we're not living like we should. Let's change. Let's please him. Let's walk in his ways and do his bidding. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you that on every page it's talking about the Christian and his living a sanctified life. And Lord, I pray that as we read through our Bibles that we would not miss it. And we would be spoken to by your Holy Spirit to say, we need, I need to change. I need to be made more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Saviour. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit through the reading of the Word to come to that point that we walk and people ask us, what's different? Why are you different? That we might be able to give them the message of salvation with fear and trembling. And bless each one as we go our way and give us that strength to live a godly Christian life, a sanctified life, to know God and to walk in his ways. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.